This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. Today I am speaking with Sherry and Andy Chidwick, two recently retired school teachers from Stevensville, Montana, who are about to launch their next chapter of life as overland adventurers. The American dream lifestyle is not very affordable. People do it because they think that's the only thing you can do, but they just have not been exposed to any alternatives. The Chidwicks are in the final stages of selling all of their stuff and building out their adventure vehicle. I'm excited to learn all about their plans. Sherry, Andy, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So tell us, where did you grow up and what did your parents do? Sherry, let's start with you. Uh, I actually have lived a lot of places, but yeah. my childhood was in Michigan. Okay. And uh, my parents, my dad was a banker. Uh, my mom worked in various secretarial jobs and had some years that she stayed home with us as well. Excellent. So Andy, how about you? I grew up in uh, Southern California in uh, sunny Santa Barbara. Mm, Santa nice Barbara. place. Yeah, it's a great place to uh, to be from. And uh, once you leave, it's really hard to go back. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Uh, my dad actually, uh, for 31 years, ran a fast food business called Foster's Freeze. Think of Dairy Queen. Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, he was a hardworking man. He spent many, many hours keeping that business afloat. And my mom um, supported him in that uh, process, often worked there as well, and, uh, and then you know, raised the family. Wonderful. The two of you are at this wild change in life. Tell us what, what you're doing. What is nomadic midlife and what is happening in your world? We have spent most of our life, what I would say, kingdom building. Okay. We're focused on um, adding to our ability to accomplish things, to have resources. I ran my own woodworking school for many years. Uh, we've been teachers. And, and most of what we've tried to accomplish is to, you know, build capacity, build resource, build, you know, our, our house started off as a two-bedroom, one-bath home, mm -hmm. and it's now a six-bedroom, four-bath home. Right. Accumulation. And accumulation, accumulation of things and resources and potential. And uh, it's a wonderful stage of life. But when the pandemic hit, it gave us a chance to think a little bit, and it gave us a little perspective. And we realized, you know, at this uh, juncture in our life, we're, we're in our uh, early to mid-50s, we didn't want to wait as long as uh, the standard American um, status for retirement. And we didn't want to be controlled by our things, held sure. down by our things. Every time I would uh, assess uh, the resources I had now, it just felt like I was responsible. I was beholden to the things that we had and to use them, to maintain them, to, uh, there just became kind of a, a burden, you yeah. know, and uh, we wanted to do life a little differently. In fact, quite radically differently. Yeah. So we put our brains together and uh, we, we want to, we want to travel the world and we want to see and be, be learners again. Uh, we've been teachers for many years, and now it's time to be learners. And so our, our midlife is going to be defined by the fact that we want to be, and we're planning on being, full-time global nomadic travelers. Okay. Before we get into what that means, Sherry, talk about your journey to kind of this point as well. Sure. I was actually teaching economics at the high school okay. when the pandemic hit, and I remember telling my students this is a future history teacher's lesson. Yeah. 
we are living a future lesson here, and this is going to be remembered as a time when we reconsidered our priorities. That's really what happened for us. We had to really consider what do we want out of life. We realized that we did not want to wait until 65 or 67. We saw Andy's parents, so many people have these big dreams of travel, and they waited too long, Mm -hmm. and their health failed, and they never got to do it. And it was so sad to see, especially with Andy's parents. We already knew that we love to travel. We had a job for years. Well, Andy was a guest speaker for a woodworking show. It traveled around the country. It was like a traveling trade show kind of a thing. And he was the main stage speaker. He was very good at it. He drew big crowds. He was like a minor woodworking celebrity, which, believe it or not, those exist. Sure. (laughs) And so we followed this trade show all over the country. We dragged our kids along with us. We homeschooled for a while so we could do this. And we just lived on the road for four months at a time. Okay. Putting... 10, 20,000 miles so you on had the some vehicle. comfort with that lifestyle. Basically. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we already knew that we're good at okay. road trips. Yeah. Our kids were ready to be done. Sure, sure. We were not. We were having a blast. Yeah. And, you know, you were describing there the, the disposition you developed during, you know, that was punctuated by the pandemic. As you were describing it, it sounded so hopeful, right? And there was this this hopeful thread of those early days of, of that time that, you know, we thought of it as an opportunity for people to come together. And there were some signs of that and, and some great instances of that. But And so it didn't really play out that way at the societal level. Yet you're sort of committed to the, to this change for the better in your lives. Yeah, actually, as as we set out to see other places in the world and meet other people, we're trying to carry some of that positivity yeah. forward. We we know the world has changed, but we know that people are people anywhere in the world. And we know that there are stories out there and we want to hear the stories. We want to tell the stories. My heart is as a storyteller. I yeah. write. We meet people wherever we go. We, we met a waitress at the brewery the other night and had a sp- spectacular conversation with her. So we're looking forward to using this opportunity to say, let's go see this world. Yeah. Let's go meet these people and hear their stories. So our motto is less stuff, more stories. So thinking about what you're about to launch into here, I mean, the two of you either have to have a perfect marriage, or you got to have some sort of a plan for how we're going to coexist in a really small space. You've traveled extensively, so you have some experience with that rhythm, but but talk about how you're confident that your relationship is ready for something like this. Yeah, that's the thing, is is people think, oh, you must have this spectacular relationship, and, and right now we do, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Otherwise, we would not try to tackle something this this revolutionary together. But for years, we didn't. Okay. There were a lot of years that we were co-parenting, we were cohabitating. We were not together, though. Mm. We, were, we were very separate people living very separate lives. But we came to a point where financially, we realized we were putting way too much money into trying to live half in Oregon with our teaching jobs and half here in Montana with our property, and we needed to simplify. It was frightening. It was it was actually a miracle because you know we've been you know we're thirty years into our marriage yeah. now, and uh, 
it made us fall in love again. So by stripping away for all those extra things down to the simplest, the, the bare bones of our existence, it drew us uh, right back to the beauty of our original relationship. And it's on that foundation, and really partly because of the, the time from the pandemic that gave us a chance to, to really focus on ourselves uh, together that allowed us to kind of um, re, re-engage in this part of our life. One thing that might be occurring to a listener is like, hey, man, I've been contributing to my retirement fund my whole life, and I can't just like retire uh, overnight. But it sounds like, you know, this realization that the time is now was relatively sudden. How do you then execute? I would say this. Part of it is we we didn't feel like our midlife required the same requirements as a traditional or typical American dream would require. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we're doing, and it, it takes major sacrifice. I mean, we, we are letting go of some really good things in order that we can have some really great things. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's kind of the key is, is willingness to let go of certain things, certain expectations. And it took some painful conversations. It took some even some tears to realize we're going to have to shift radically from our thinking so that we can uh, acquire a new dream and pursue this new dream. So to that end, we're not pursuing the, you know, the full uh, retirement. We're, we're vested in our teaching retirement, but it's not, it's not going to be much of anything. Mm-hmm. We have our property here in Montana. This is the tears part. I'm letting go of all of that. Yeah, and, and selling the property too. and selling the property yeah. too. Your um, home, yeah, it's our home, and it's been a, our our homestead for you know fifty years in the family in the yeah. last twenty hours, and uh, you know our identity has been centered around that. But once again, we uh, we want to be able to like not hold on to these things. I, I we have neighbors who are just buried in their stuff on their property, like you know, acres and acres of basically a debris field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're going to pass that way, you know, and it's going to pass on to their, you know. Somebody's going to have to deal with that. Their siblings or yep. their, their kids are going to have to uh, deal with that. So we're cleaning that up. We're, we're moving on. We happen to um, uh, come up with a plan to um, finance for the purchaser of this property. So we're actually going to carry the loan on this for that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so we will be living off of interest off of that investment. Sure. And the, the, the magical thing is we're not needing that money right now to go invest in another home or another property. And that's the big sacrifice. The, the other half of the equation, the first half is get rid of everything. Sure. You know, we had a living estate sale, which was really weird. Wow. Watching yeah. all our belongings go out the door. It was you guys look bizarre. mighty healthy to be having <laughs> exactly. an estate sale. Yeah. The second half is choosing a lifestyle that's actually very affordable. Yeah. And the American dream lifestyle is not very affordable. People do it because they think that's the only thing you can do. Yeah. But they just have not been exposed to any alternatives. So we're building out this travel rig that's basically our home and our back and it's off-grid capable it's a thousand watts of solar it has its own water filtration system we can go anywhere in the world in that rig unless we hit water and then we put it on a ship and then continue so our home will be completely paid for completely self-sufficient we drive it around with us and then we are willing to go to places where the cost of living is very low Mm -hmm. So we're going to drive this thing around 
until we get tired of driving, which it which might be two or three years, or it might be twenty. We we don't who knows we don't know. Yeah, but our cost of living while we live in that is very low, and people tend to think, well, no, travel is expensive. No, it's not if you do it right. Vacations are expensive. Yeah, yeah. travel is not. We'll be back to my conversation with Sherry and Andy Chidwick after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. Hi, this is Steve Albini, and you're listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. I'm speaking with retired school teachers Sherry and Andy Chidwick, who've sold all their belongings and begun a nomadic midlife. Let's talk now, since you brought it up, Sherry, about this vehicle, because what y'all are up to is not hashtag van life. It is next level. Like the thing you're building out is is different than I think most people associate with the the current sort of popular movement around vans and right. so forth. So right. what is this rig? So we are working on a Mitsubishi Fuso 4x4 platform. It is a... Um, um, a vehicle that is fairly rare to find here in the United States. It's a, it's a medium-duty truck. It's a cab-forward truck, which means the cab itself is sitting ab- over the engine compartment. Right. Very different than your your typical, um, you know, like a, a Dodge 3500 where you have the engine compartment way out in front of you. Mm-hmm. Unimog. Some people have heard the term Unimog. It's okay, I have a, not. Okay. What's a Unimog? Well, you have to look that one up. They're, they're pretty it, yeah. cool. So basically, it's, a, it's off-road capable of getting pretty much anywhere you want to go. It uh, has um, uh, oversized tires that are called super single tires. So instead of the dualies on the back, these are the ones that we have are uh, 18 ply, 37 inch tall. They're, they're, they're pretty beastly and we've improved the suspension on this rig. And um, right now I'm in the process of finishing out the, uh, the Habitat. Which is basically a 16-foot. Well, it, it's it's the equivalent of an RV, but it uh, it's it features many different features that will allow us to to sustain life, uh, you know, in an off-road environment and and outside. Yeah. And and let me just add, you can buy these things. You can even buy kits to build these things yourself. Sure. But I'm married to this guy. Who doesn't believe in any of that? Yeah, he's and, a, he's a woodworking uh, celebrity. So. Which, well, <laughs> which means apparently he can build anything. So he said, "I think I want to build my own." And uh-huh. I said, "That's ridiculous. That's crazy. You can't it is just build your actually. own." Well, and the thing is, uh, you know, it's the kind of my last big push. It's my last big build. You know, I, I've spent most of my life, my identity around, you know, building things sure. and, and fabrication, and uh, and so to. Um, put my signature on this piece as uh, the home that we will uh, mm. live in to carry us for the you know this next season of life. It's one of those things like I, I it would be it would be amazing to know this inside out and have built it from scratch. And I'm using materials that are fairly innovative and different uh, uh, materials that are lightweight but strong. Uh, honeycomb core composite uh, fiberglass materials for the, some of the paneling. Um, uh, a fiberglass um, uh, resin product uh, called Kusa, which is uh, will just it won't rot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's long lasting. It's lightweight. 
and it's just sturdy as heck. And uh, we're using uh, recycled Tesla batteries for our, our habitat. So, uh, like Sherry said, 1,000 watts of solar um, and these uh, three uh, recycled Tesla batteries that will be the, the energy for us to live on. Sure. So, what is the balance that you've had to strike or, or sought to strike between, you know, standardization, easy to access for repairs, things like that versus some of the more innovative out there stuff that you're describing? like. I assume you've had to think about like anything and anything that can break will break and we got to be able to adapt. Absolutely. So that's why we chose the Fuso platform. Okay. It is um, not a common vehicle here in the United States, but it is a very common platform outside of North America. We know that right now it's a little tough for getting certain parts or certain pieces to this, but it will be so much easier when we're in South America, and this is a very common platform, so we'll have easier access to parts. The habitat itself is, you know, it's it's the thing that I'm building. I'm not doing that much to the rig itself, so the parts that I'm putting into it, I'm going to make sure I'm carrying extra, you know, spares of certain sure. things. And since I built it, I'm I'm building into it the ability to tear it apart too, mm-hmm. and make sure I'm not. You know, backing myself into a corner and can't access that that feature, which, you know, at some point may break. And I want to be able to handle, you know, the, the fixing of it. Sherry, what has been your primary role in all of these preparations? Yeah, mine's a, mine's a little more complicated in that I just don't have the kinds of manufacturing skills sure. that my husband has. I help. I, I can sand. <laughs> I can glue. I can I can drill pocket holes or something those like are important I, things. I, I can do those things i i can be the extra set of hands when you're moving something heavy in fact that's been very important to us also is to make sure that both of us are in very good physical shape yes. because we're going to need to be able to handle this not only the build but the the adventure out there mm-hmm. so i help with the build but i also do an awful lot of just computer work i do research like you wouldn't believe i just spend hours and hours and hours We've created a database with a page for every type of system, as well as, oh, what kinds of visa requirements, what kinds of border documents do we need in this country? Do we need immunizations? Okay, let's get us scheduled for our yellow fever shot. It's super important. She's taking the lead on on the planning, the the preparations, the even even our own personal stuff. How are we how are we liquidating our things, and how are we getting to a point where we have readiness? Yeah. Uh, for uh, the moment, I'm done with this rig. And, and and I would assume too, like there's there's high consequence to all of these decisions. I mean, there's in some ways you have great flexibility because you're not going to be on a fixed schedule. And we'll get to the schedule or. Mm-hmm whatever that term is in a moment, but you are divesting of all of this stuff in order to have fewer things, fewer um, obligations, et cetera. But everything that you do choose to retain or take with you on the voyage is, is higher consequence, I would assume. It has to, has to do the job that, for which you selected it. Absolutely. Uh, it's the first time in our lives that we've really invested in really high quality sure. everything. Yeah. And we and that's the that's the goal right now is we need things that are going to last. So I do a ton of research even on reviews of like my dishes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, pots and pans, every little thing, very different from the disposable lifestyle 
of the typical American. Typical American buys things at the lowest prices they can, and then they're just disposable and you just replace it if it breaks. Right. We're buying things highest quality that we can and learning how to maintain them. So we should talk about what sort of plan you have to execute here. The first step I, I understand, or the first sort of trip is the Pan American Highway. What's that route? How long does it take? What are the basic things that listeners need to know about the Pan American Highway? Everything is dependent on me finishing this rig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's crunch time. Uh, it's right? crunch time right now. Um, when the rig is done, which we hope to be early summertime, mm-hmm. our our intention is to, as you say, do the Pan American Highway. Pan American Highway is uh, the northernmost point of the continent, all the way up in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of places we can go. Prudhoe Bay is, is is one of them, and goes all the way down to the tip of Argentina. Which Ushuaia, is right? Ushuaia, yeah. yeah. And uh, that route uh, could take just a couple of years. It could take 10 years. We're just not sure about sure. the timing of it. But we know that uh, that is our first major trip. Of course, having built a custom rig, we may have some you know challenges on the rig itself. So we are hoping to do what we call, you know, calling a shakedown tour, allowing us to be not too far away from our current location here in Montana. We can come back, fix something, sure, figure put out it something, the put it through the paces and come back. So um, ideally, uh, we were taken off to Alaska and then just heading south. Excellent. And driving up. So you'll drive yes. to Prudhoe Bay or wherever you decide to start. And uh, and so what's the what's the route for the shakedown cruise that you you mentioned? It'll be part of that trip to Alaska oh, as well. Okay. Yeah. So we you know we we're assuming that we'll be able to at least make that part of the trip. But because we're coming back south, we'll make sure that we swing back through uh, Montana area. Uh, that's actually uh, the final stop for us is um, is coming back in the fall and allowing us to um, get rid of all of our last possessions here. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. It's yeah. a good way to stage it. Yeah. And then we're hoping to take a lap around the United States. Might as well. And well, it's so funny because for us, that sounds totally normal yeah. because we we did take laps around the United States all the time on our travels with the with the woodworking show. We would just zigzag all over the country. So we've decided we want to take one more lap around the United States, what we call a farewell tour. Say goodbye to people we might never see again. We'll yeah. f- we'll fly home to see family, and we'll fly family to see us. But I might not ever go visit my college roommates again. That which is weird. Yeah. So there's a lot of goodbyes. Well, I think there's a very kind of you know there's a stoic principle behind that where you know every everything in your life could be the last time you do that thing or experience that thing. So I think it's a healthy mindset to to bring to this adventure. The Pan American Highway is almost completely traversable by land. Okay. Except for one gap. There's a gap between Panama and Colombia, where okay. the where the Americas connect there, the skinny part. Yeah, I thought you were going to say the Panama Canal, but No. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> you can just drive a bridge over that. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, I figured. But there's a is it 50 miles? I believe it's about 50 miles of unpenetrable jungle. Okay. The it Darien Gap. The, the Darien Gap, or Darien, if you want to pronounce it correctly. The governments of Panama and their ally, the United States, as well as the government of Colombia on the other side, have chosen to enforce kind of a, a no-go zone. Interesting. There. Okay. 
right now it is a lawless part of the world and there's an awful lot of drug trade going yeah. on in there. It's very dangerous. It's extreme jungle. Like every critter that is trying to kill you lives in that little section of land right there. People who do try to cross it have to do it on foot pretty much. There are no roads going through there. Okay. There have been a few expeditions where people have taken an entire crew of 20 people in 10 vehicles and a lot of locals and a bunch of machetes, and they've hacked their way through. It's not, it's not a practical way to travel. So generally, in Panama, you put your rig on a ship. On a boat and go around. And go around. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably not, a good call. What do the kids think of all this? They think we're crazy. Yeah, most kids think their parents are crazy. This is a little, this isn't necessarily crazy, but this is yeah. Is there are there grandkids in the mix? Like, what's the what's the family dynamic leading into a project like this? At this point, there are no grandkids in the mix. We have two adult kids. They're living their own lives. Mm-hmm. And nearby, they, are they in Montana? Or? We've got one here in Montana. We've got one in Utah. Okay, and. They think we're a little crazy, but they've always known we're a little crazy, so they're not terribly surprised. Okay, I don't think it has fully sunk in yet that this is really happening the way it's going to happen, but uh, I think they'll take it, uh, the rest of the family as well, will take it in stride. Sure. And like I said, we'll fly back to see them, and even with our kids, we may fly them down to see us. Hey, hey, we're in- What a great excuse to travel to see mom and dad. We're in Costa Rica. Do you want to come and see us? Yes, we do. One of the things I want to make sure we understand is that it, we're not just doing this to be consumers. You know, we want to be learners. Mm-hmm. And we also want to be ambassadors of kindness. I think it's very important to recognize that uh, we are not going to just be travelers for because we're we're uniquely privileged. In that uh, we know we're privileged. We know that we have an opportunity to do this, but um, we, we know that we can learn from other cultures. Mm. And we can find ourselves in a position, a humble position, of not knowing it all. And I think that's, for me, one of the most exciting parts of this trip. Because um, we, we as Americans can have kind of a, you know, we're the best, we know it all, we have it all, um, you know, we're number one kind of feel. And um, it doesn't allow us much chance to grow as human beings. Excellent. And one of the pieces of giving back is sharing the story, I assume. Sherry, you mentioned your writing. The two of you have uh, a wonderful website and extensive blog. So I assume documenting this journey will be a big part of the, the effort. Where can people find the story to follow along and what sort of sensibility are you bringing to that, that content? I, I love to write, and I love to tell stories. That's just that my heart is a storyteller. I love to tell other people's stories. I might end up telling your story at mm. some point. Yeah, we'll see. So I will be documenting as we go. I will be writing books as we go. Uh, you can keep track of us on our website, nomadicmidlife.com. Uh, we're also on YouTube. Andy's kind of the YouTube man. He handles all of that, and he loves visual storytelling, so that's his thing. Uh, We're on Instagram. Again, Nomadic Midlife is the name everywhere. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure getting to know the two of you, learning about this next amazing chapter in your lives, and I'm excited to follow along, and maybe down the road, so to speak, we'll get an update on your progress. Thanks for being here today. Thanks. Thanks for having us.
Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from UM alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. Keely Larson is our producer. VTO, Jeff Amet, and John Wicks made our music. Editing by Nick Mott. Social media by AJ Williams. And Jeff Neese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.